I had married a man that I had been with for four years. He was like that fairy tale, you know, how you have that dream guy that comes along and just does everything right. The whole time it was a deception because two months after I married him, he disappeared. And I found out that, in fact, he had been married the whole time. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution. God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist On Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to talk about the cycle of abuse and the effect past abuse can increase the chances of someone going through more abuse in the future. Did you know there's a cycle of abuse? According to national statistics, 51% of people who were abused as children also experienced some sort of abuse in their adulthood meaning that abuse from the past can taint the way we attract future abusers. Bad news. Today, we will have Becky Adams, who unfortunately was sexually abused in her past, and then later on experienced so much heartache by going through one abusive relationship to the next, and seemed to attract abusers right on into adulthood. Hear how she finally began to receive healing in her life. Becky, thanks so much for coming to tell us your story today. Thank you for having me. Becky, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Now, I know you're going to be talking about some really tough subjects. But before we go there, I understand you grew up in a good religious home. That on the outside, everything seemed good. But on the inside, not too much was happening with your faith. Yes. By all appearances, we were the perfect family. My father was well-respected in the community. He was teacher and coach. My mom was a hairdresser early on, but then became a singer and pianist. And I was the oldest of four kids. So we went to church every Sunday, but it seemed at home there was nothing there. The only time we prayed was over food. And church was more like a checklist every Sunday. It was very routine. And, mm. you know, everybody seemed perfect. Like, everybody was great, everybody was fine, but nobody had any struggles or problems. Hmm. I think I was 26 years old before I ever even heard of a testimony. Oh, wow, Becky. So, though things were seemingly good growing up, I understand that at the age of 12, you experienced severe sexual abuse. Tell us what happened. Yes, I was 12 years old, and of course, I hadn't had that facts alive talk. We were kind of sheltered, you know. My parents were very careful about what we watched on TV and things that we were exposed to. Morally, we were very, you know, moral family, very upright. But because of that innocence, I never knew what a pedophile was. I did not know that I was being groomed for what happened to me at 12. This gentleman started wooing me. He was an older boy that I knew. He wasn't a stranger. He was somebody that came into my circle and kind of started paying me a lot of attention, giving me gifts. He would actually seek me out, even up at my school, you know, because we had an open campus back then. So he would give me little gifts, but it was all a game to me. It was secret. And then one weekend, I was in the night with a friend, a school friend. He found out where I was located and drove by and asked me if I wanted to get in the car with him to go for a ride. And I was excited. You know, I was like, yeah, I'll go for a ride. You know, we'd go out driving past the lake. And I wasn't even thinking that that could change my life forever the way it did, but I was right. And when my family found out, 
or my parents, instead of the usual things that are supposed to happen to a victim of rape, it was never reported. I never received any kind of counseling. It was just kind of all swept under the rug. And I was blamed. I actually had to read a statement at the church the next Sunday and be rebaptized. That was just very traumatic because it kind of marked me in people's eyes. Even though they didn't really know what had happened to me, it changed me. I started becoming introverted. I put up walls. I was afraid to get too close to people. It affected everything in my life. Mm. And I'm 51 years old now, and it still affects me. But by the grace of God, He's working on healing me through this past year. And that's something that now, with it being part of my testimony, God gives you the strength to talk about it. Wow. So the trauma from the past is still affecting you today. I understand that trauma from the past had a hidden trigger for the future. I understand you married quickly and found that was a bad mistake. Yes. I actually married right out of high school, about a year after I graduated high school. So I married very young at 19 and had two children. It wasn't a good marriage. I knew I had made a mistake. Came from kind of a wild family. (laughs) And I knew he had a temper, but I never saw it directed at me until our honeymoon. The first time he hit me was on the way home from our honeymoon. And he had changed the radio station for the first time without permission. That was pretty traumatic. And from there, it just kind of escalated. You know, that combined with alcoholism and things, it just got very abusive. And I probably would have stayed with it because my self-esteem was so low at that point in time. And I was so desperate for love from anyone that I just would have stayed with him had I not had children. I had these beautiful babies. And the babies were what saved my life. I mean, it just gave me the strength to try to want something better for them. Mm. Now, I understand that marriage ended in divorce due to the physical violence. And I understand you felt like you had to run away from that situation. Is that right? Yes. Yes. In fact, he did go to prison for five years for his second wife Uh for assaulting her and had a child with her five months after my daughter was born. So that was a very painful time in my life. Oh my gosh. Yes, that is horrible, Becky. Now, I understand that you at that time weren't a real Christian yet, but you still tried going to church but didn't find it helpful during this time in your life. Instead, the trauma from the past began to play in your future decision-making. Tell us what was going through your mind at that time. Well, for years from the fallout of my first divorce, my relationship within that church body was very strained. I felt like people were walking around carrying rocks, you know, (laughs) silent stonings. I just sensed the coldness, you know, I had to kind of grieve on my own. You know, after that, I had married the man that I had been with for four years. He was like that fairy tale, you know, how you have that dream guy that comes along and just does everything right. He got baptized. He started going to my church. And even though we were living together, we were abstinent for like the last three months before we married. The whole time it was a deception because two months after I married him, he disappeared. And I found out that, in fact, he had been married the whole time. It was devastating, humiliating. And I was just shamed beyond, I mean, that was kind of the last straw, Mm. you know. And so the final thing was I actually, I believe it was around the holidays, that first Christmas. And one night by myself, feeling dark, not knowing what to do, not knowing who to turn to, I swallowed a handful of pain pills because I wanted the pain to go away. That's all I had on hand, and I swallowed these pills. Mm. And almost immediately after I swallowed those pills, it was like I was crying out, and all of a sudden I got this vision of what I would look like 
five to seven days later, you know, when somebody finally found me, because that was my worst fear of dying alone and nobody even knowing. And so I got this vision of what I would look like, the horror on everybody's face, knowing that I had you know, done this and five days later they find me. The other thing that really kind of knocked me into motion or, or really just jolted me was I had a vision of grandchildren being born, of my grandchildren, and that was years and years before they were born. So I panicked and I ran next door. I was in a little duplex and I pounded on my neighbor's door and I was crying and I said, I can't do this. I said, I messed up. I said, I don't want to die. So she poured this awful stuff down my throat. And of course, that induced vomiting. And she ended up taking me to the ER. I did not tell them that I had tried to commit suicide or swallowed pills because by that time, I'd thrown everything up pretty much. Mm. And they just gave me something for the nausea and sent me home. I think they just thought I had a virus because I was so ashamed of what I had done because I thought, they're going to put me in a mental institution. You know, they're going to think I've just lost it. And it kind of had, you know, that was kind of just a very dark time. But it was a turning point to where I felt like I had a future. It's just I was grasping to try to find it. Wow, it really did get rock bottom. But I understand that you gave your life to Christ, like you experienced something. I understand that when you truly surrendered to God, something changed. How so? Well, I had already made the commitment to him. I had already taken a vow of abstinence the year before and was giving up on relationships. I was trying to put God first. And when you make that decision, you really come under fire from the enemy. He will do everything to derail. But I felt, you know, I've just got to keep in prayer. I really applied myself. A lot of the mistakes and things that have happened in my life was because of willful sin, because I was not walking with God. And because I wasn't really truly seeking Him, I was hiding from Him. And so when I started seeking Him with all my heart and just praying for His will, and I'm like, I don't know what you have for me, God, but I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I have to say it out loud. You know, that's the thing when you're finally surrendering and stuff is you just have to get to that point where you have to do little things like saying things out loud to yourself over and over out loud to make those things become your mindset. Becky, that is amazing. And I also understand that after you came to know Jesus truly as your Savior, He began to walk you through a pathway of healing from your past and all the trauma from the broken marriages. I understand you live a life of joy and contentment as a true believer today and that your life has changed so much. Becky, thanks so much again for being open and vulnerable to share your life with us. It's incredible. Thank you for having me. Don't go anywhere. Let's go deeper into what you just heard right after the break. Listen, my friend, you are in a spiritual battle, and there's a spiritual battle right now for the soul of our nation. The Bible says we overcome the power of the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimonies. And friend, I need your help spreading this show to all 50 states all across the USA, and that takes money to broadcast in each city. You can help by being a stable monthly giver of our ministry, Awakening the Nations. We are a ministry who's committed to preaching the gospel all across the world. Partner by going to awakeningthenations.com and we believe America shall be saved. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. 
If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We want to go deeper into what you just heard. What do you think about this? For me, it's interesting that this poor girl being raised in a church found herself in sexual abuse. Unfortunately, it wasn't handled right by her family, and you can see how those unhealed wounds left her open to looking for acceptance and love. And instead of finding that, she found more hurt. It's really sad about this. So what can someone do when they go through abuse? Because the truth is, someone who goes through sexual abuse, it leaves a person completely vulnerable to all types of demonic attacks that will leave a person emotionally and spiritually lacking like not whole. And in ancient scriptures, Jesus always healed people, but he always said this amazing verse. He said, your faith has made you whole. You see, Jesus came to make you whole. And if you're that person, you went through some type of trauma, Jesus can make you whole right now. Lord Jesus, we come to you. We pray that you'd come into our lives and make us whole, that your love, your power would come into our lives. And Lord, you'd bring healing right now, divine healing to flow. We ask for this in Jesus' name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony, and I know that your life was touched. If you need prayer, please give us a call at 877-480-4477. That's 877-480-4477. See you next time. 